0: A major catalyst for women gravitating towards embodiment work is a desire to feel more as opposed to avoid or numb out. But the irony of this desire is that feeling more actually opens us up to experiencing greater discomfort and emotional pain. It opens us up to being in relationship with our losses in ways that are based in honesty over pretense and intimacy over disconnection. Both deep honesty and true intimacy ask for courage and vulnerability. Welcoming the kind of work that ultimately cracks your heart open when you could very well choose to carry on with the armory that's protected you forevermore is brave as hell. Returning home to the embodied creative feminine is an initiation into owning your full humanness. Today, I want to invite you into this initiation. I want to give you a peek into the underworld, into what you might find when you're willing to meet yourself in the darkness of your losses. It might sound shadowy and sinister, and yet it might also be the rebirth you are desperately ready for. Welcome to the Sensual Alchemy School Podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask. Within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leaper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Sensual Alchemy School podcast for this new year. I'm Kate Leeper, psychotherapist and feminine embodiment coach and it's 2023 my darlings. How are you feeling as we move into yet another year? They are just whizzing by, it's just bizarre. I'm not entirely sure how I'm feeling about this calendar year yet. There's I guess, a sense of being on a precipice or something. Like there's some really profound experiences, growth and opportunities just waiting on the other side of something, waiting for me to kind of step off the ledge. (laughs) And it's, I don't know, I feel a sense of excitement, but it's actually really terrifying. And so I've decided to lean into this theme with our first episode of the year today, in case the alchemy of the underworld and new imaginings might be calling you as well. And you feel like maybe you're on a precipice. There's something for you on the other side of God knows what, and you're ready to get curious. You're ready to drop into what it is that you're being called to. So today I'm going to take you back in time a little into ancient storytelling as a way of understanding ourselves and our lives, both symbolically and archetypally. This feels really ripe because I'm preparing to take another group of willing hearts and tingling bodies into the fourth Luminesse experience very soon. This year, we begin on February 27th and we descend for nine months of creative feminine embodiment and leadership on a journey of what I've coined the luminous layer of becoming this year. So if you're already on the wait list, then yay for you. You get all the juicy details first when they drop next week and an additional $1,000 off the enrollment price when I open on the 16th of January. So if you want first dibs, on one of the only 11 places in Luminesce this year, then I highly recommend putting your name on the waitlist now. You'll see the link in the show notes, or you can go straight to kateleaper.com slash luminesce dash waitlist dash 2023. Oh, and a heads up that this year, if you're part of Luminesce, you're immediately eligible to join me. On a gorgeous three night retreat in October on the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, for no additional cost. So, yes, a free ticket to a luxury retreat when you enroll in this deep, exquisite leadership experience. So, in the spirit of the lair, where the feminine is ravished and never too much to handle, I'm going to share with you the story of Keridwen. Now, if you love goddess mythology, you'll know there are many other stories of powerful underworld goddesses, like Persephone, like Inanna. You know, there are so many. But today I wanted to explore a goddess closer to my ancestral homelands. And please forgive me as I attempt to pronounce some Welsh names when I tell the story. But look, I will do my best. Be kind. (laughs) Okay, so in in Celtic mythology, Ceridwen, as a powerful underworld goddess, is the keeper of the cauldron of knowledge, inspiration, and rebirth. And she first emerged from an Irish lake, which always signifies the other world. She was disguised as a giantess, and she was with her husband, Lassar. Now, the Irish were terrified of the couple's power and violently expelled them from Ireland. And the Welsh king, Bran the Blessed, offered them safe harbour in exchange for Caredwan's magical cauldron that had the power to resurrect the corpses of dead warriors which were placed in it. And the cauldron is a central image in the Celtic mystery tradition. There are three cauldrons, the Cauldron of transformation the Cauldron of Rebirth, and the Cauldron of Inspiration. Keridwen's cauldron combines all three into one quintessential cauldron. Keridwen, as the keeper of this archetypal cauldron, represents the womb of the goddess from which all life manifests into this world. She labours continually at her cauldron, stirring up the forces of inspiration, divine knowledge, and the eternal cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. Now, Keridwen lived on an island in the middle of Lake Tegid with her two children. She had a daughter named Kraidwi, who was beautiful and bright, and a son named Avagdu, who was ugly and dark. Even in her role as mother, Keridwen ruled both the light and the dark. But like all mothers, she wished only the best for her children. And she was determined to use the powers of her magical cauldron to improve the life of her afflicted son. She decided to brew a magical potion that, with just three drops, would transform her son into the most brilliant and inspired of all men. This potion had to be brewed for one year and one day to reach its full power. And for that whole time, the fire had to be kept at just the correct temperature, and the potion had to be stirred at just the correct speed. As this was more than Keridwyn could do alone, she hired a young boy named Guillaume Bach to help. You know, I'm just going to side note, probably not the best idea to hire a young boy to help with that. But anyway, on the final day of its making, while Keridwyn was out gathering herbs, an unthinkable accident occurred. Perhaps the fire got too hot. Perhaps Guillaume Bach stirred too hard. But three drops of the potion flew out of the cauldron and landed on his thumb. Scalded by the hot liquid, he instinctively put his thumb in his mouth to ease the pain, as you do. And in this way, all the power that Keridwen had intended for her son of Agdu was instead transferred to Guillaume Bach. Now, having the power of knowledge and prophecy, Guillaume Bach knew everything that would come to pass, including that in her anger, Keridwen would seek his death. So Gwimbach fled immediately and Keridwen, a shape-shifting goddess, gave chase. Now both underwent many transformations during this chase. So according to the myth, he became a perch and she was a pike. He became a hare and she became a greyhound. He became a salmon and she an otter. He became a small bird and she a hawk. Finally, he became, very silly decision, but he became a grain of wheat and she a hen. And determined to end his life, Keridwen, as a hen, ate the wheat where Guillaume Bach had taken his final refuge. But the story did not end there. The grain took root in her womb and Keridwen became pregnant. She knew her child would be Guillaume Bakri born and she resolved to kill him upon his birth. But once he was born, her mother heart cracked open. She couldn't bring herself to kill the radiant baby boy held in her arms. Instead, she placed him in a leather pouch and set him adrift on a river, where he was rescued by the Prince Elfin. Elfin and his wife, who were childless, decided to adopt the beautiful baby, and they named him Taliesin. So interestingly, Taliesin grew up to be the greatest Welsh poet ever, whose words could heal all wounds and foretell the future. And in the Welsh worldview, death and rebirth such as Guillaume Bach slash Taliesin experienced when necessary for true inspiration to exist. And essentially, I read this to mean that for creativity to flourish and beauty to be found after devastation and loss, versions of ourselves must die and be reborn. And along the way, there will be these inevitable shape-shifting experiences, these kind of uh, pursuit, chase and relinquish. The cycles continue. And I love this story both for the devotional aspects of mothering, not only our children but ourselves, for the idea that to descend into the centre of who we are and what we need, shape shifting is an important part of this journey. An unfolding of self that can be deeply uncomfortable and yet also cathartic and powerful. And I also find the notion of forgiveness interesting in this story. You know, just the idea that when things feel really bleak, how softening into ourselves can lead to possibilities, can lead to us seeing beyond our immediate um, overwhelm and panic and, uh, you know, these opportunities can unfold more beautiful than we could ever imagine. So in this story, uh, Keridwen, she's also known by many other names. She's known by the Dark Moon Goddess, the Great Mother, White Lady of Inspiration and Death, Goddess of Nature and the Grain Goddess, funnily enough. She rules the realms of death, fertility, regeneration, inspiration, enchantment and knowledge. And I love working with goddess mythology uh, and I find that working with her story is a really powerful way to embrace so much of the work that I do and that I really, um, you know, I, I feel is such a huge part of my soul work is about embracing the fire of transformation and rebirth after loss. A time in a woman's life that may happen far more than once, but then when met through the lens of an initiation into our fullness and wholeness can bring so much power and overflowing love into the next chapter of our lives. But here is the thing, my friends. The darkness, the underworld have been painted as terrifying places and spaces to avoid. You know, we're a culture that celebrates the light. We celebrate everything new and youthful and ascending. So to consider that the shadowy underworld of our psyches and our felt experience that is more concerned with becoming intimate with what's ugly, sorrowful and deteriorating is somewhere that we'll emerge from safely. That takes some trust and courage. And yet, how do we trust? How on earth do we come into that place where we can trust what is on the other side of that precipice? What is available to us after we let the underworld have its way? When we're dealt painful losses and we're faced with agonizing choices, how do we trust that in welcoming the sensations, emotions, and moving through the motions of grief, we will in fact rise again. It's a fear, I think, for many of us, certainly the many women that I work with, that if we dwell too long in the realm of sorrow or helplessness, we could get stuck there. And again, This seed that's planted in us very early and reinforced along the way states that we must always be heading somewhere better than where we are and seeking this elusive state of happiness above all else. But I believe that the trap is the kind of happiness we're set to pursue from the outset is based not only in a shallow materialism that never quite hits the spot but in rejection of all the billions of ways that life hurts us as human beings. So we're encouraged to seek a kind of paint-by-numbers happiness at the cost of turning our backs to our complicated inner world, which will inevitably be filled with heartbreak and suffering. We're trained to turn that frown upside down, keep our chins up and look to the light. And if we do move towards the dark we're often pathologized in our culture so we can be kind of dealt with promptly you know and, and uh, effectively so to speak and friends I'm not here to rant about the diagnostic mental health model today. There, you learn, there. There is so much good that happens in the medical sector and We also have a way to go if we want to see our systems and institutions treat people as whole, complex organisms capable of powerful internal alchemy when given the space, the guidance and the tools to become literate in the language of the body, to feel safe, to welcome the darkness into the felt experience and let it reveal the wisdom that it's here to reveal. So when I'm asked the question, how do I trust that I can move through the depths of my grief without getting overwhelmed, getting bogged down into the, you know, the messy murkiness? My answer is by taking it gradually and building the capacity to invite it in and let it express through you. The work I do, and and this might sound weird, but there are many, many women who have fed this back to me, might seem initially daunting, but it's actually really enjoyable. (laughs) It's creative work. So by nature, it's liberatory work. And this brings me to that cheeky piece that always catches everyone off guard in a good way. And that's the piece that emerges After these subterranean shifts where grief and shame are almost reorganized in your embodied blueprint, it's the pleasure piece. So if you're new to Sensual Alchemy School, you might be thinking, hold up, how can grief and pleasure coexist side by side? But here is the magnificent truth, beloved. They can and they do coexist. It is entirely possible and actually really healthy to forge a relationship with grief that does not involve apologizing for it, suppressing it, or slapping a positive affirmation on it, but welcoming it as an integral part of your life force. And simultaneously, when we recognize where and how grief is wrapped up in our pleasure wiring. What we've lost by way of shame, abuse or suppression and how that has shaped our feelings and desires around pleasure, we can finally be our own sensual sorceress. We can repair that faulty wiring by learning the language of our body, both how it longs to grieve and release and how it longs to expand and heal through pleasure. Grief and pleasure are part of a reciprocal cycle of healing. When we can unashamedly embrace one, we can joyfully embrace the other. And this is the alchemy of the underworld. This is the shape shifting, the devotion, the embodied transformation that transpires when we are knocked to the ground by loss and grief. And instead of wanting to show the world that we can bounce back or that we'll make lemons from the despair we found ourselves in, we choose to allow the loss to initiate us into rebirth. We choose to feel every inch of the grief surrounded by loving support so we can relearn what else might be available for us in this human experience. So the final bit I want to mention is that if you work intimately with other human beings, notably with the bodies of women or you're in an activism space or a creative realm or you're a leader of any kind, your greatest breakthrough will come, your most profound maturation will unfold not only in your work but in your personal life when you reconfigure your relationship to both grief and pleasure. I can't tell you the number of times a woman has said to me that until our creative feminine leadership coaching, they always felt there was something missing in their ability to express themselves fully and bring their work or their service to life in deeply anchored and meaningful ways. And I often wonder, connected to this, that when we talk about imposter syndrome, the most likely thing is that it's not about us not being competent enough or skilled enough or smart enough, but I wonder if it's this sense of being internally fragmented and unintegrated. When we are aware that there's a depth to us that hasn't yet felt safe and free to fully emerge, and we haven't yet had the opportunity to go to those depths and get curious about who we might be when our losses and longings are fully accessed, witnessed, and received. In this case, we're imposters in an entirely different way. We're imposters in our own skin. I know this state of being oh so intimately it hurts and to be fair I'm still journeying with so much grief and pleasure integration I'm not sure it kind of ever ends entirely yet there is now a sense that there's nothing you know the link in the chain it's kind of reformed and You know, I'm pretty sure that there's something to be said for this kind of potent embodied recalibration to grief and pleasure that has now provided this essential, deeper connection to my humanness and my expression as a creative woman. So today I invite you to feel into where you might be resisting the initiations of the underworld. And like Caradwen, what might you be trying desperately to change or control that if allowed to be free and take shape in ways you may not expect, it might turn into beautiful, maybe unexpected, but beautiful poetry instead? What wants to be birthed from within you in 2023 but requires you to let grief have its way with you first. When I ask this question, there might be a sense of knowing evoked in you, a sense of yearning towards something deeper, more true and wild and free inside you that involves a real letting go and even burning down of some ways in how you're currently living, loving and leading. What is the ancient strength and wisdom that is ready to be accessed through both your body and spirit so you can shift into a new phase of maturation and empowerment in service of your relationships, of healing the feminine lineage in your family and your creative leadership as a sensual, fully alive woman? I truly believe that until we're prepared to descend into the murky borders of our shadows and move with the unfolding mysteries we find there, our creativity will never flourish as we really, really desire and to our most full potential. And our relationships, our capacity for intimacy will never bloom as we long for them to. So, my loves, for those on the wait list for the luminous layer of becoming, you will be the first ones invited from Monday, the 16th of January, to enroll. All the information you need about this nine month leadership experience, including a bonus luxury retreat, if that's something that you're able to attend, will be available from Monday, the 16th of January, and it will be sent to you on the wait list. So you want to get your name on And one of the most important reasons you want to get your name on it is because you will be then entitled to receive the $1,000 Discount from the enrollment price. And of course, there's no obligation by being on the wait list. It's just like that first in, first serve. There's only 11 spaces, and, uh, you know, a little juicy discount never goes astray. So if you're not yet following me on Instagram, go find me at kate.leeper where I'll be sharing loads more about the experience before we commence on February the 27th. And you can absolutely hop into my DMs to ask any questions and just get a real feel for what it will be like to embark on this kind of leadership experience. And uh, yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm always really up to connect in that space. I think it's really nice and intimate or it can certainly be. So I'm, I'm available. I'm available for you. Okay, dear ones, I am wishing you a deeply fulfilling, courageous and sensually alive 2023. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Share this episode if something about uh, the Keridwin mythology or uh, embodied imaginings and journeying to the underworld resonated and you you know somebody else who it will land with. And until next time, you take care. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.